Welcome to Recalibrate. This is a podcast of Caribou Road Christian Fellowship. Our hope is to create a moment where you get to take a look at your life through the lens of Christ's teaching and recalibrate. Welcome back to Recalibrate. And we're continuing with this study of the Jesus Revival. I know God's working through. I've got an amazing testimony this week of uh, somebody who heard the message because somebody else has suggested they listen to the message all the way in Toronto. Incredible. And then after having listened to the message about revival last week, they actually signed up for our Alpha course. Somebody in Toronto is going to be doing an Alpha course. That's because they're hungry for God. I love that. And that's what this series is about. It's about creating a hunger, a hunger that becomes so desperate that we go off seeking God. You know how sometimes when you're hungry, you come down into the kitchen and you rummage around looking for something to eat. But when you're really hungry, sometimes you even get a crazed look in your eyes. (laughs) We're talking about a hunger for God to move, a recognition that we in of ourselves cannot do it by ourselves. We're going to continue with another portion of the sermon for last week, talking about what we learn from the temptation of Jesus Christ in regards to the work of revival. The temptation of Jesus Christ was where he faced a test of his heart. And he came out pure, didn't he? There was nothing wrong. He was pure of heart, and that's why God could use him so greatly. But the temptation's also a testimony to us that this is what God wants to do in our hearts in revival. He wants to purify. So why don't we go and listen, and at the end I'll make some more comments. Please enjoy. It's easy to get discouraged, but actually it's a great promise. When you look at the temptation, one thing we automatically realize is that none of us would have passed this test. Not of anybody. This is what the Bible is about. A lot of what the Bible is about is showing even people that you think were going to make it didn't make it. David, who for the first part of his life was just extraordinary, just followed God so beautifully, just had, listen, anybody had a passion for Jesus? It was David. The Bible says that he is a man after God's heart. He just loved God. But he fell into grievous sin. When the temptation came, there were areas of his heart that still hadn't been purified. And he fell. And you go through the whole Old Testament, they're all, even Moses, they're all the same. But we get encouraged because when we see this temptation, Jesus overcame. Jesus, in the short, condensed period of time, proved that he was righteous. Proved that he was the overcomer. Proved that he could do what we could never do in our own strength. Oh, praise the Lord. This test that Jesus goes through just reveals how much we are bound. Just reveals the depth that our hearts are not free. The depth that we are so easily desirous of things other than Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 2 verse 15 says, 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So he's talking about this idea that the core aspect of the Christian faith is this love of God, this burning love for God. He says, if you have this love for God, you're in Christ. But if you don't have this love for God, if the love for the things of the world is stronger, you're not in. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty heavy statement right there. But it's not to condemn, it's to release and, and cause us to say, God, my love for you is not what it should be. Ignite it. Do something for me, Father. He goes on and says, for everything in the world, 
The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. In this passage, um, John just really clearly illustrates what Jesus faced. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He's just explaining the depth of, of um, Tang- entanglement. Just imagine it like a ball of string and it's all entangled and our hearts are filled with all these different desires and all these different, just a big tangled ball of mess. It's a, it's a combination of the lust of the flesh, like our carnal appetites. Some of us, are, we desire uh, sexual desires and food desires and leisure desires. It's just so strong in, in different aspects of our life. And then he says it's the lust of the eyes. Those those things like the desire for ambition, long-term goals, money, material wealth, and success, and, and, and love, and relationship. Not necessarily bad in themselves, but it just becomes this tangled mess because it's stronger than our love for Jesus Christ. And the pride of life, the ego, the need for appeasement, the need to be appreciated, the need to, be, to feel good about yourself. It, it drives us to all kinds of funny places. And we're this tangled web of all this stuff. And what did we reveal when Jesus faced this temptation? Is, is how deep this entanglement is within us. The love of God is so constrained by all these other desires that are competing for the love of Jesus Christ. This test that Jesus goes through shows us the true cost when our hearts are not passionate for Jesus, when we, we haven't been purified and alive with love for Him. It shows us the true cost of this. When you look at these temptations, they seem so, so obvious Jesus took him to the top, uh, Satan took Jesus to the top of a, a temple and said, if you jump down, it just seems so obvious. Oh, no, you, wait, I would never do that. It's so obvious. If, if a, a man in a red costume with two horns in his head is standing next to me telling me to jump off a temple, of course I'm not going to jump. If a man with a, a pitchfork and a, and a tail is coming out of him with a raspy voice is telling me to bow down and worship him and he will make me the greatest musician of all time, of course I'm not going to worship him. But here's the thing. Looking on the outside, it's so obvious what is right and what is wrong. But when you're in the temptation, come on now, it's very hard to know what is right and wrong. You know what I'm talking about here. When you step back from some of the things that we've done, you go to yourself, how could I ever have done that? But when you're in the temptation with this entanglement of the desires inside your heart, your sense of right and wrong, your sense of north and south is totally thrown off. The consequence of a heart that is not passionate for Jesus is it loses its ability to judge truth. It loses its ability to to know right from wrong. Remember how I told you my brother burnt those records, and I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong necessarily, but it was definitely a move of God for him. And I do believe when there's a move of God, some of the movies we watch without anybody telling you what to do, when he purifies your heart, you're going to say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Some of the music, young people, I know you're not going to like this, but some of it is so full of junk inside what's been said and the philosophy that they are putting out, but you can't discern it. I mean, sometimes I, even I can't discern it because we're entangled. We, we, we struggle when we're stubborn. I don't want to change. This is, this is good. I like the beat and all that kind of thing, and I'm not beating down on any particular group. I'm just saying when God comes and purifies the heart with the passion of him no one's going to have to tell you what to do because the holy spirit will come and he will say oh, this is just not where we're going and you will give it up because your love for jesus your desire to listen to worship music to listen to praise music to write your own songs will overwhelm everything else that's why we need a move of god parents you're trying to get your kids to change but unless the heart changes all the rest of it's just rote learning 
We need a change from the inside. We need revival. We need God to visit us in the mountain of Sinai and bring a change on the inside. I think this is why society is drifting. Society as a whole does not know God anymore. And when you no longer have a passion for God, a love to God, if that's not the leading light of society, society will drift. It's just going to get worse. And right and wrong has become so crazy that even Christians now can't even work out what is right or wrong. We won't survive this way, my friend. It must be a passion burning from the inside. That's why God often sends revival when things are the darkest. Because people are so far away from God, they're so lost any sense of right or wrong or what's true or not true. It's only by God's grace that he comes and visits in a fresh way and passion is reignited. And people suddenly go, oh, I see what I was doing. Oh, that was not right. This is a better way. This is the God way. This is the way because I want to be in God's presence. This test reveals how desperate we are in need of God to work in our lives. Uh, there's a famous story, a legend, about Alexander the Great and his untying of the Gordian knot in the, uh, in the city of Gordian in what is modern-day Turkey. I know I sound very intellectual right now, reading you classical literature. I would give it to you in the Greek, but you wouldn't understand it, so I'm just going to give it to you in the English. But there's a famous story about Alexander and as he had moved from Greece and he was beginning his conquest, which he did in a very few, short few years right across the entire known world at the time, the first place he went to was Turkey. He, he had battles in Turkey to, to gain conquest there. And he came to this town very close to where Paul was from, Tarsus, Gordium. And when he came into the town of Gordium, at the entrance there was this ox cart that had been tied up to a post. And the post it had been tied up to, the knot that it had been tied up with was this hunkin' huge knot. Just lots of different knots within knots. Massive. And he walks into the city and he asks them, what, what's that about? Why has nobody removed the cart? And they said, this cart was put here by the father uh, of Midras, the Midras's touch, the, the legendary guy who had got made gold everywhere he went. His father had put this cart there. And he had made this knot so difficult, and he had prophesied, anybody who undoes this knot will, will rule all of Asia. So Alexander, being the boastful, prideful man he was, said, I'm on it. And he got down there, and he began to untry, to find ways to undo the knot. He worked on it and worked on it, but the knot would not become undone. And so what Alexander did, being Alexander... He says, well, all the prophecy says, you've got to undo the knot. He pulls out his sword and poof, cuts the knot in half. <laughs> says he's done it and goes off and conquers all of Asia. <laughs> I love that story for what we're talking about today. We have this toxic combination of desires in our heart. Sometimes they're good desires, godly given desires, but sometimes they're not. And we need somebody to untangle this. And Jesus, the Bible says that he has the sword of the Spirit, which is quick and powerful, able to divide the Spirit and the soul asunder. 
And in a season where His Holy Spirit comes, when He visits us in a special way, He takes the ordinary Word and He makes it like a flaming sword. And in a moment of time, Jesus will come in a visitation and He will plunge that sword into our hearts and He will break off the things that the enemy has held us and he will set our hearts free and a desire for God will be born like never before that that is what revival is. People think revival is about manifestations, it's about miracles, it's about this. Revival is about purifying hearts. Revival is about making hearts alive in Jesus Christ. Revival is about giving a passion back to the church that the passion has not had in a long time. Revival is about you coming alive in Jesus Christ. So that's what revival is. It's a intensifying of our love for Jesus Christ. You know, there's been a lot of revivals over the years, and people have been really suspicious even about whether they are revivals. I'm thinking of revivals like the Toronto Vineyard revival and the revival in England in the recent years. And, you know, these revivals were very suspect because People were laughing and all kinds of funny manifestations. And the stories even got really quite strange about gold dust falling from the sky and people barking like animals. And honestly, I don't know what to make of all of that. It seems quite bizarre and some of it doesn't really seem to have any kind of precedent in Scripture at all. And so it makes you wonder about the authenticity of it. Is this really a genuine revival or is this people being moved by emotion and get into some form of hysteria. But I think one of the things that you've got to remember about revival is this idea of purifying of heart. That is, in many ways, the test of whether a revival is genuine. Luke wrote a song for us recently that said, whether you come as fire or whether you come as rain, I want you to come and change my heart. And there have been revivals through history that have been very much fire revivals where Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley and um, the Promise Keepers revival and Brownsville revival where the message is a message of repentance and people are very much quickened of their sin and it's a season where there's a real deep purifying work through the fire of the godly preaching and repentance. But then there's been revivals also, like the Toronto Vineyard Revival, that have had a huge impact on the world. For all its problems, many church, Christendom itself, was greatly impacted by the Toronto Vineyard. It, it got into all kinds of churches everywhere. And moving aside all the strangeness that went on, one of the big moves of that was the revealing of the Father's heart. And people who would go would be so touched by God so covered by his love, they had experienced in a very powerful way, they were forever transformed and they were made alive in their love for Jesus Christ. It's very easy to throw out the revival because of the manifestations and miss the fact that in the midst of the revival, so many people's hearts are being purified, made alive. Their passion for Jesus Christ is something like it was never before. And surely that's the ultimate test of a revival. When revivals have funny things happening, I think there's sometimes more a reflection that the leadership of the revival maybe is immature and not guiding it. Although I'd have to say, having been in small revivals myself, you've got to be really careful what you stop because sometimes what you stop stops everything. But nevertheless, I don't think the manifestations is really the big issue. I think they can be pasted through. I think the question is, are people's love for Jesus Christ being made alive?
Are they being awakened? Are they becoming passionate? Are those who are far away coming closer? I know some of us don't like revivals because sometimes it seems like the people that are always already a little bit quirky are the ones who are just being fired up to be even more quirky. And again, I don't think that's a genuine revival. I think when a general body of people has been made alive in Jesus Christ, that's a sign of revival. When those who were cold have been made alive, that's a sign of revival. And I think that's something we all need to hunger for. We cannot make our passion for Jesus come alive in our own strength. If we could, then following God would be dependent on our own works. It would be dependent on what kind of person we are. The disciplined people would move forward in the faith. And those of us like me who are undisciplined, we'd go backwards. Mm-mm. The move of God to touch hearts and make us alive is not dependent upon you and me. All we're required to do is be hungry and begin to seek him and cry out for his mercy. God will come, reveal himself and move in a powerful way and make us alive in him in a way that we could never do in of ourselves. We need revival. Well, let's continue to pray for it. I don't think it's going to be quick. I don't think it's a sh- you pray today and it comes tomorrow. I think it's a sowing, a sowing, a sowing and watering and sowing. But in due season, we're going to see God move in a new way in this land. I want you to be part of it and me be part of it. Let's keep praying. We want to thank you for joining us on Recalibrate today. For more information, please check out our website at crcfchurch.com.